0: back to the conversations with arthur podcast this is episode two i just want to say thank you to everybody that has been liking sharing subscribing and leaving a feedback i deeply 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 appreciate all the love you can also find us um you can find the podcast on instagram at conversations with arthur so Today's conversation with my friend was one of those improv conversations where you just press play and you just hope that it kind of leads somewhere meaningful. Um, but in the aftermath, while I was doing the post-production editing, I realized that most of the conversation centered around reframing the past and the present. So I've gone ahead to title to this episode exactly that. So reframing as a tool in cognitive therapy was something I stumbled upon um, a few years ago. Um, and the premise when you ask someone to reframe a thing is to first agree that there is a thing and there is an existing frame through which the thing is perceived. So to ask the reframe is almost saying you realize that the world is not going anywhere. You realize that life won't stop disrespecting your peace. You realize that people won't stop throwing nonsense at you. You also realize that the bullshit won't stop. But what you have is the power over your own frame. So, it's not to say that the thing is not bad or that the thing is not as bad as it is. But it's to say maybe it is bad. Maybe it is abysmal. But to reframe is to first localize what it is, to look it in the face, to hold it in your hands, to neutralize its control and to reduce the volume of its effects, so you can utilize it as you will. Anyways, without further ado, let's get into the conversation. What's going on with you? What would you like to talk about?
1: Well, actually I saw something you posted like two days ago. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering about it. I wonder what inspired it.
0: Um I'm I'm suspecting you mean um the piece on albinism.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean I'm i um I I think the best way to to explain it is it wasn't, I would say it was, so a part of it is supposed to be like, you know, like a, like a, should I say a medical article, like an op-ed, right? Um, just to, but also like an op-ed that chronicles certain personal experience, but also trying to like shed light or, you know, share some insight or education, if you like. On the on the topic itself, and maybe the stigma that sometimes comes with, and I I think those are one of the the high points that I was trying to buttress in the article, which is the fact that stigma extends. Albinism doesn't have a monopoly on stigma, you know what I mean? It's like it extends beyond that. It's like it's um it's people with generally anything that society considers different or or weird um or awkward. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I was hoping to do with the piece, and it seems to have resonated um, well, people. So yeah, that's I think I think job job well done if you ask me.
1: Yeah, I thought it was quite enlightening. Just wondered why that topic though.
0: Huh? <laughs> now you understand me into a wormhole. <laughs> so um, where do I even begin? Okay, so so. Fun fact, well, maybe not so much fun fact, I I mean, you know me, we're, we're quite close, so you know what I look like, um, people that might be yeah. hearing uh, me on the podcast and probably have never met me in person, um, and you know, I also like, <laughs> uh, I mean, if you go to my Instagram page, you probably see colored photos of me, but I also have this very, very mystic white and black vibe, right? So sometimes if you look at some of my pictures, and that's the only picture that you see, um, you might not get a sense of the fact that my hair is blonde. My skin is a bit reddish tone. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So growing up, I, I had this, I had this experience where, um, now most of my growing up, again, as I tried to, um, maybe I didn't highlight it in the article, but most of my growing up, we were always moving, moving around Nigeria, um, because I'm Nigerian and I grew up in Nigeria. Um, so we're always moving around um, because of my dad's job. So we've lived in, we've lived in Kano, we've lived in Oakland State, we've lived in Ebony, we've lived in, in pretty much all the geopolitical zones or at least more, six,
1: Nigeria, Nigeria.
0: basically, at, at least I've lived in six, seven states or more. And these are just the ones that I, I could remember when I was, you know, much conscious and, you know, you have memories of, of these places, at least six or seven, right? Um so because of that, we're always moving around. Um, but my, most of my formative years happened between Lagos and um, Ogden State here. Yeah? Um, and in Ogden State, it was this small town called Udubulu. Now, Udubulu had, um, had a federal government college, federal government college, Odobolu, where uh, my mom was an English teacher um, for the longest time there. And so we grew up partly in Lagos. Um, but we also grew up partly in um, the staff quarters there. And um, so that was where I was able to learn and understand a bit of Yoruba. And so there was always this um, albino is, um, in Yoruba. It's affin. And so as a child, it was so much so that was the word that I came to know. Even before I knew the word albino, right? And everybody treated you different because you looked different, you know. Um, they always tell you don't, don't, don't stand or sit or play under the sun. Um, and at that age, you had very limited, if any. Uh, medical or scientific knowledge about what exactly albinism is mm. and so you take on that cloak or you take on that tag or you take on that that name that has been ascribed to you and you sometimes almost internalize it and you become that thing because of how the world perceives you to be and so why did I choose to write about albinism it's in twofold because I mean I'm a doctor, right? And I think mm-hmm. I should have the liberty to write about anything I want to write. But also, I have sort of a toe, should I call it, maybe not a foothold, probably a toehold into that experience because I've lived through it. I've lived through the stigma. I've lived through the bullying. Now, whether you think um, I'm an albino, or a partial albino, or not an albino, or maybe just ginger, or maybe just red, or whatever you think doesn't really matter. What matters is, is the story true or not? And if the story is true, then I should be able to write about it. And um, yeah, I don't know if I'm making sense, but but it's just to say, yes, um, it was just a way to educate, but it was also a way to just highlight and see if I could... Um, make peace with certain things that happened in my own childhood. So it was, it was more, that's why I called it an exploration, right? Yeah. It was an exploration into my past, but it was an exploration into, into, into what being a human being is. It's, you know, an exploration into my own humanity. It's like, and I was seeing, and I tried to make the point where ignorance sometimes isn't, um, what is um the word? Ignorance is pervasive and sometimes it doesn't necessarily, you don't wish it away with just more knowledge. You know, sometimes if imagine the way to cure ignorance is to know more, sometimes you know more, but there's just this innate maliciousness in human beings that doesn't necessarily wish it were ignorance. You can know, it's almost like politics, right? you would see most of the most <laughs> the most educated people you know politically and socially conscious people still probably posit almost one some of the worst candidates you've ever possibly think of and they'll tell you, you no know, this is the best man for the job this is the this is the guy that can actually take Nigeria off the brink and just pull it pull it out of the abyss right um so the point that I was trying to make was I am not trying to say as a kid um, that I too didn't have um, behaviors that I'll probably look back and say I wasn't proud of, right? That's not the point. I get that. Um, but it's to say that why are kids, I think I was trying to ask myself the question, but also just explore the topic why are kids very mean like where do they learn it from Mm. yeah i think that was that was that was something that i was just really really curious about and because if you say (laughs) if you say they learn it from us right but like you look around and you see sometimes we're actually more gracious than we were when we were kids and again it's yeah and, and, and you also think about it and you're like well, if, if, if you recognize that a kid is just a kid, yeah? Um, whether you say, again, there's this study that says that um, the human brain doesn't get fully developed until you're way into your 20s, right? And so you recognize that fact that by default, these kids do not know better, by default. And so what do you do with that information? How do you how do you ascribe blame? Like, how do you hold people responsible for things they said 10 years ago? Anyways, I don't want to veer off the topic. <laughs> I really don't <laughs> want to veer because because none of them I'm, I'm, I'm going way into. But yeah, um, I, I don't know if I answered your question. Why did I choose that topic? Um, two things, because I share some of those experiences and just trying to write a paper that um, just gave people an insight into some of the effects that a human being can have on another human being way long into their own adulthood. That's a short answer to your question, I believe.
1: He hmm. talked about, you know, that question he asked about children, why why they're so mean and why adults tend to be more gracious. <laughs> I think we just learn to lie as we grow up. Because remember to children to lie. Well, like, yeah, because
0: to tell a lie, that's that's a lie you mean. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Because generally you know that children can be like brutally honest and they don't have tact. You don't they don't hmm. know, oh let me not hurt his feelings or let me not hurt her feelings. We just say what's on their mind because why not? But as we grow, we learn to maybe not say it in that manner maybe talk, say it differently, maybe not say it at all, those kind of things. Anyway, there is mm-hmm. that. But did you find peace when you wrote the article? Um,
0: <laughs> so the truth <laughs> is, that's an interesting question because it's almost like saying um, the article was supposed to be therapeutic for me, not necessarily. Because, I mean, we're Mm. talking about things that happened, what, some 20, 20, 20 20-something years ago, yeah? Um, It was two things for me. It wasn't that I was looking for peace. I think I was more of almost daring myself to see how open with my some of my fears, insecurities, past traumas, to see how open I was willing to explore some of those things publicly, right? And so it wasn't necessarily finding peace per se. I think it was interesting that I was willing to write it and put it out. I think that, that, that to me was the take home point. It wasn't so much that I was trying, because to be honest, I'm I'm over most of those experiences. I want to believe I'm over them. Um it's not something that I actively think about. Um if you had if we were having this conversation when I was 12 when I was 14 it would be a different conversation. But like having this conversation now that that piece wasn't supposed to bring me peace. It was supposed to share insights, right? Um mm. yeah, so so to be I just, I just put it out there. And I was just like job done and I walked away from it. You know, it wasn't something I was trying to promote. It was just, you know, I just put it out there and, you know, I just walked away from it. So it wasn't supposed to find any peace. It was just like daring myself to write more op heads that are directed in a specific manner. Hmm. Interesting. So it wasn't
1: like, writing opened up old wounds because you said you're over most of it so was it like that you had because it's also a medical piece and you are you know in the medical field so were you writing this in a more detached manner or were you hoping to detach yourself from it and just like okay this is something i've lived through but this is an actual thing let me write it as an actual thing okay were you trying to detach yourself did you open any old wounds that kind of thing
0: Yeah. that's a that's a very loaded question and you see that's why i tried to make the point where i could have written it strictly as a medical doctor and pretend mm-hmm. not to have been bullied as a child but that'll be a pretentious exercise right that'll be telling the truth by half um people always say and i strongly believe there's a like, you're a product of your experience um yeah. The fact that we moved around a lot when I was when I was growing up, right, is also the same reason why you can see I'm more reserved, more introverted. Um, sometimes, almost finding it difficult to make deep connections, right? Because we hardly stayed in a place for too long for you to grow roots, right? We hardly stayed in a place too long for you to have well, whatever people call childhood friends. I, I really can't relate. I can relate to saying I've known this person since I was a kid. It's it's foreign to me because we're never in a place for that long to to have those kind of bond or to have those kind of connections. So indeed, people are a product of their own experience. And if you're asking if some of those bullying and just childhood experiences kind of like shaped the person I am today, I would say most definitely. Yes, I strongly believe that. For um, <laughs> the longest time, I didn't like looking at mirrors. I think I once wrote a poem where I inserted that line, and someone might have thought it was just bars. But but it's true. For the longest time, I, I was I didn't like looking at mirrors. Now think about that, and think about walking in the streets and just seeing, like you know this. Or um, windows
1: maybe windows, cars.
0: boutiques, cars. You're seeing your mm-hmm. reflection and you're hating what you're seeing. So mm-hmm. it took a while. Like it took a while. And I think the journey started in my late teens and it almost crystallized in my early 20s. So it took a while to get out of that place. Um, so the question was, do I think I'm over it? Did it open any wounds? Um, I like to believe I'm over it. And here's why. I think maybe because of the kind of friends that I have now, the kind of people in my life. I haven't seen people engage with me through the lens of how I look. Mm. It's been a while that happened. So most people that engage with me, engage with me as Arthur, the human being. Now, whether you like me or you don't like me, but I haven't met someone in a long time that did not like me solely because of how I looked. Do you get what I mean? Now, yeah. if people don't like me, they don't like me because they either heard something despicable that I did or something despicable that I said. So you, that that is kind of new territory. That's more like a humane territory where this is the thing you heard that I said. This is the thing you heard that I did. And this is why you don't like me. There's an essence. There's there's a sense to that. There's a meaning to that, right? As opposed to coming from a place where you are not like solely because of how you looked.
1: Which is the foundation of racism. Uh,
0: that's us. That's, <laughs> that's that's, 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 yeah, let's okay. that's, that's not, that's not swim into that today. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so if you're asking if I'm over it, I like to think so. Again, because like, the way I'm navigating the world these days is different from how I navigated the world in my childhood. So I would like to think a lot has changed. Um, second part of your question was, did it open any wounds? To be honest, no, really, no really, because. There were more stories that could have gone into that piece in fact i actually thought the piece was too long and, and i i kept trying to cut it down to actually bring it to size but like there were more stories that could have gone in there that i decided to not put in there right um maybe another so, time maybe, maybe never really because
2: <laughs>
0: to be honest maybe, maybe never because again though now the point was not. Um, so there were three three or four names. I can't remember. One of them was um, Asterix as by the first oh. letter. Or just O. And the other three names were just. Um, let's imagine for the sake of this podcast. That they were fake names. Let's just pretend they were mm-hmm. fake names. Right? Um, and that was intentional. So you have three names. And you have one that is withheld. So the point was not to be malicious by any margin or by any measure, right? I wasn't trying to be malicious. Um, so when you say open wounds, I'm sure if I see these people today, I mean, it would, it would all be rockets and fireworks and, and all good. But again, imagine, think about this for a minute. Imagine going through primary school going through secondary school people did not call you Arthur you are no worthy of your own name people did not call you Ugo people called you Afi people called you Red man people called you yellow dilibe you are no worthy of your and I'm and I'm saying people you correct and you say this is not my name. And they reply with a laughter and call you that thing some more. So again, I'm navigating the world differently now. So did it open any wounds? No. In fact, I actually laughed through some of the stories because it's like (laughs) almost wild times, man. Wild times. Um, So no, it really, to be honest, I like to believe I'm over it. And 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 you know you know where I'm over it. A few years ago, <laughs> a few years ago, um, someone from high school uh, commented on a picture on Instagram and called me um, "Yellow Dilibe How far? And I actually responded and like, "Hey, what's up? Bro? Been a minute." And that was a name that I totally totally despised growing up. Red man, I think it's like now. And if you call me Red man, I'll, if I'm in the mood, I'll answer. If I'm not in the mood, I'll ignore you. But I'm not ignoring you because it's paining me. I'm ignoring mm-hmm. you because I really don't have your time. Because you, you don't even just know better. You, you get what I mean? Like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: is the? I think the word here is reframing. That's the key. So I think I've found how to reframe true. it. Right, reframing it in such a way that I've taken the power from you. Mm. So I've taken that power for me to offend. Because there's this thing that I always say, right? It's like, offense is not given, it's taken. That's why people say, sorry that you took offense. Right? When you reframe it in such a way that you take the power from the person and decide not to get pissed. Because it's your emotions at the end of the day. Is I mean, go back home to go and drink champagne or something. It's you who is in pain. It's your trauma, your experience that is on the line. So, it's, the, the key word here is to reframe it in such a way that you take the power away from them. And I think that's what I've been able to do to the point where I could easily write that, drop it, and just walk away mm-hmm. from it like nothing happened.
1: Mm-hmm so uh, hopefully, hopefully I,
0: answered, I answered your question <laughs> yeah
1: I'm, gra- I'm glad to hear that even though there's the part of me that you know sort of tries to empathize with that little boy that was being bullied but I, I was getting wonder-
0: I was getting a deluge of, of emails and text messages like oh my god I'm so sorry about what you were <laughs> Like, oh, I can imagine. Oh, oh nice and good, but um, <laughs> I'm looking for receive, money. <laughs> like, the like, this, this is this is not where I'm at right now. You know, it's like uh, oh, I, we I, see the I'm,
1: love and money from. Oh. Yeah, you know, it's
0: like uh, uh it's not. It was deep.
1: Hmm.
0: It's not that deep right now, and, and here's the point. The experience is a. The experience changes you. It's not to of take course. away from the substance of it. It is deep in isolation. but it's not that deep for me right now. Do you get what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, so it's like, well, I, I mean, I understand that you're reaching out to see, if it, but that's not that's no where my mind is at right now.
1: Yeah. But I was saying that to say, as I picture, you know, the younger you and go, you going through all you went through, I wonder like, mm-hmm. because all I can like see are like, the bullies and you trying to defend your way through that. Do you have anyone on your side, like a support system? And, like, oh, or, like, for example, like in your family, like, was there anybody, like, you know, don't touch him kind of thing?
0: Interesting question. Um, it's hmm. <laughs> a very interesting question.
1: Sounds like you're a celeb. Like, oh, that's a good question.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, know why is interesting. Um, right. You know, it's interesting because my parents. (laughs) My parents have, well, not to my recent memory, right? Uh, My parents have never had a conversation with me about if my appearance made orders to bully me or what the experience growing up was like. It was almost as if it was an invisible factor. And a part of me kind of appreciates that. Well, a part of me also wonders. So let me explain what I mean. Appreciating in a way where it's nice that for the first time in your whole experience, there's a safe space you can run to where you're not treated differently. There's home where you're not the difference. There's home where your appearance is not... It's not the topic of
1: The coffee. topic
0: at the coffee shop table. It's like there's home where you're not the gossip. You're, there's home where you don't walk into a room and, you know, there are stairs. There's home where you're just... Yuji. It's just, you're just you. Mm-hmm. You're someone's baby at the apple of someone's eyes. Like you are the centerpiece. So that is nice. It is good to have that where just, just a place where you're, it's like your blackness or your, your difference is not always a thing. So I think I liked the fact that you almost never came up like, you know, almost still today, I've just never had a conversation with my dad or my mom. Um, so that's nice because it makes you for once forget your difference. But a part of you also wishes, and especially in our adult years now, and I'm thinking about, you know, how you want to navigate the world differently with your own kids when you eventually have your own kids, right? And wondering if there's an alternative approach that might be better, how about you engage with them at the level of what you think they might be experiencing? I mean, that's just something that I think about sometimes. you um, we were asking if I had allies. I think my parents were lovely allies. Um, uh, they, I would say, were not, I mean, I would say I'm from a middle class, upper middle class family, like, um, was increasing true life. And I don't think for the most part, I lacked anything. I was really sheltered and given all the love there. Excuse me, one can imagine, right? Um, so yes, my parents were my allies, but I would also say um, that there were, of course I have lovely siblings. My My younger brother actually looks exactly like me. So I had lovely siblings, amazing family, mm. but there were also friends. There's this chick, there's this babe um, who I really, really liked. Or I think maybe maybe it happened twice, maybe-ish. There was this babe I liked in primary school, um, primary three or so. And <laughs> she liked me back. And there was this other girl that I liked in, I think from my SS1. She maybe like I think probably from SS one to SS three, and she liked me back. Now you'd see that twice. I've mentioned she liked me back.
1: I was not recruited.
0: So it was interesting that for the longest time people have made you feel different and ugly, and on what you have been looked at, but you are seeing this really pretty, beautiful person that likes you back and slowly what that does is it begins to shift your attention from the thing that has somehow paralyzed you and somehow you start moving in the direction of feeling worthy or feeling loved or feeling like uh if this babe can give me any attention, maybe I'm not that bad looking, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, hey. No,
2: but, but, but it's true.
0: Bad. But it's true because if, if you think about it, right, um, <laughs> I mean, we're veering off topic, but it's interesting the different directions this thing can go. But if you think about it yeah. in, in your in your recent dating years and whatnot, you think about some of the people that you've dated, and see how it affects your confidence, or how you look. It makes you look at yourself, sure. right? Um, "Quote unquote," what they say. If you did outside your league, whatever that means, just for the sake of this conversation. <laughs> um, at the time where I was, those two ladies were totally, totally out of my league. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> like why are you even paying me any attention do you get what I mean and so what that does to you is it just almost shoots your confidence through the roof and it makes you look at yourself differently so I'll say moments like that where strong allies in pulling me from that spectrum of self-hate to that spectrum of you know what I actually like myself so I think, yeah, those were those were those were moments where I can say yes. These were these were strong allies in just like helping to shape the way I look at myself now and the way I look at the world.
1: Nice. Thank you for those girls. <laughs> <laughs> Shout well, out yeah, to them. Man- yeah, wherever they are. Well, you mentioned. Did you know that- there's
0: one that I've been looking for? oh
1: man, I didn't ah, drop some tea. There's out. one. There's this big
0: this baby in primary three and you need know to <laughs> twist it. I'll give, I'll give her her first name. You know, you know, you know why it's messed up. So mm-hmm. we were in primary three at the time. um, There was this, you know, I can, I mean, I can mention the shoe. I really don't give a fuck. Um, it was Penny's. There's this school called Penny's um, international primary school. At the time we stayed in mm-hmm. Lagos, or Um, So Penny's is somewhere. I can't explain it. But if you, if anybody that's listening, if you know, really, Coca road, where you have um our lady of loot around that area, she had Pennies was there, and there was this chick. Mm-hmm. Um, now, my Igbo name is Ugo, right? And this babe's name was Ogo.
2: <laughs> <Mm-mm, I'll> <laughs> it, it, right. was,
0: it was so, so superstitious where um, we were always tussling between. So, if she comes first this time, I'll come first the next time then she will come second and she will start crying she so was always like when it was time to announce results so know is one of the chukus it's either oh, it's no. going to be an this is the kind
1: of
0: we need. or an Ogochuku. so it was interesting <laughs> where me i was now feeling like you know okay our names kind of rhyme you know maybe it can be like love struck in what heaven All the
1: people that, oh, food that did flames primary mm. school
0: oh man wild times but i left i left that screen primary three, but i think that was the first person that paid me any attention that kind of like changed i think that's where the change started in primary three i remember her face it's weird i remember what she looks like up to now well i was looking for this babe when facebook came up in 2005 that's when facebook came up i believe um my Found facebook started um you, 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 let me tell you why it gets weird. I don't want to... I don't want people to go now. So, Ew. the babe's name, this is where it gets weird. Her name is Oguchuku, yeah?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Guess her last name.
1: Dilibé. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let it start with D?
0: No. Oguchuku.
1: Oh. Wonder. Yeah,
0: very weird. Her name was Oguchuku Oguchuku. So so Boguchu, so so, where so, so are you weird. Oh, um, I've looked for the. I, there was one that I found. Um, but apparently it wasn't her. But I've I've moved hmm. on from it. This is like, yeah. The, uh, when I actually really wanted to link up with her was like 2005, 2006. But yeah, I've I've moved I've moved past that. Um, now. But it was just you know interesting. What? Nah, I'm totally uninterested. Nah, trust me, I'm good. Totally uninterested
1: yeah cool.
0: <laughs> next question please
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i just wanted to say because you you mentioned your younger brother looking like you and uh-huh. so i wondered because you we've argued about this before i told you you're just the fancy version of your older siblings you don't want to get what, but i uh, wonder okay. about the, the dynamics in your relationships with them did you ever feel left out or any kind of resentment towards you know your older siblings and how and what about your relationship with your younger sibling navigating that you know especially what you've gone through in terms of maybe shielding him from that that kind of thing what's that like
0: so i i don't mm, okay let's let's try it this way so i don't think my family is any different from most families. You always had sibling rivalry, right? Um, there's always that cat and dog fight um, growing up. Um, some, some moments were very chaotic. Of um, course, I've, I've probably fought with my older siblings before. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it was a closely knitted family. And regardless of whichever direction some of those fights were, you could tell that, see, we, it was closely knitted and we deeply cared about each other. Now, for my younger brother, that was um, a slightly different story because um, he I was the last one for the longest time. He came when I was eight. And yeah. when he came, we had a very, very strenuous relationship for the longest time. We were always fighting because everybody was always telling me um, he's acting exactly the way I was acting, very stubborn, very boisterous. You know, it's just, just very, very in terms of mannerism, looks, they were just like, this guy's your carbon copy. And mm. they said it long enough, so many times, that he was like, ah, what's, what's going on here? Is, is this guy a reincarnate or something? Am I supposed to die? And it's like, did he come to, to just replace me? And, well, you know, like, uh, yeah, I had very, 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 funny morbid morbid thoughts um growing up so for the longest time we had very a a very strenuous um relationship slash friendship um and that was because because i was dealing with my own growing up as i was at the time um before i left nigeria i left nigeria when i was like what 16 17 ish i believe um so by the time I left Nigeria, um, he must have been what? So if I left 16, he would have been eight, right? Ish. Um I wasn't trying to build bridges when I was 16. At 16, I was being 16. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just, you know, middle twenties, early twenties that um, we started trying to build um, a closer friendship, a closer bond, um, virtually. But if you're asking about my most recent adult years, we've we've never really lived together in the same space. Um, but yes, I think our friendship relationship is way better than it used to be now. Um, he actually he sends me some of his songs. Sometimes he he mm-hmm. what's he called He's, I think he's taking it seriously. He wants to sing. It's as a passion of his, and I'm supporting him in whichever way I can. He does a particular—I mean, some of his songs I like them. Some maybe not, but like there's there's uh, one song that I really really like. That is like, or oh, I'm just, I'm always vibing to it. So yes, I think I think we're good. Um, so it's all, it's all a process. What song is that? Um, I think it's called "Away." Let me see if I can pull it up. Did you, did you want to hear it? Yeah,
1: let me just. Yeah, just let me hear maybe a bit of it.
0: All right, let me see. This song is a song is a vibe. Here's a vibe, man. Here it is. Take it away. <laughs>
2: Your big dancing to my I can see the fire in the way the bikini has they move mm, Kilo fair Kilo fair like sale in my Michael I want to love you I want to be by your side. I want to hold you I want to drop you for life Forget, forget
0: this guy is a vibe this guy if he blows up i'll ask uh, uh, him to i'll ask him to pay me for for pr
1: I mean, as because
0: the- <laughs> if you're hearing this send me my check what do you what the fuck do you think uh, is this is you think it's like
1: write
0: me my check but yeah um i, I think our, our friendship our relationship is evolving over time and i'm deeply deeply appreciative of that yeah. Do you talk about this, Bill? Hmm. No, if, if I'm totally being honest, no. And you would imagine that I should be an ally, right? Um, mm. And I should walk him through some of the experiences that I did. So maybe, but my thought process Um. throughout all of this has always been to not make it a thing. To not let ones... You see, that's that's why I don't like identity politics, you know, is <laughs> where you get rooted in one thing and you see the world through that lens of... Like, that's just everything, how you process and navigate. I don't want to navigate the world only through my blackness. Right? Um, mm-hmm. if, again, that's I just know, some okay. deep waters i rather right? not going to. But... but I, I haven't had that conversation because I don't want to make it a thing. Like, I just want to be his brother. Um. Now, would I try... To, I don't even know how to bring it up. Maybe, maybe after listening to this podcast and maybe it, we might have a conversation when he listens to this, right? Who knows? But it's like the same way my siblings didn't have a conversation with me about who was bullying me moreover he's in he's in he's in uni now so i want to believe Nothing that yeah i don't know that's the thing we need to have that conversation but he's in uni if he was in primary school it would be a different experience but he's in uni he's told me he's told me about some of his relationships so i want to believe that he's in a better space but i guess after this podcast we'll probably have a conversation but no i've, I've just never brought it up man it's like nah
1: hmm. I was thinking that what if the same thought process, the same thought process your parents and siblings had that they didn't want to make it a thing? So it wasn't allowed, like the other fans in the room, so to
0: speak yeah but so I guess my question to you then is did i did I turn out that badly?
1: Personally, I don't think so.
0: So not to say not difficult. to say not to say that I'm trying to maybe that's what I'm trying to do, but not to say that I'm make recommending 30 using 30. my templates, right. <laughs> as the template and I'm saying, because I navigated it the way I navigated it and I came out of the other side, feeling very confident. Not to say that that's the best template and I'm kind of like prescribing that, but I'm just saying, I'm just being honest with you. It's like, no, we have we haven't had that conversation. And maybe it's also colored by the fact that nobody had that conversation with me. She's so like, mm-hmm. I feel very awkward bringing it up. Like, hey, cussy, like, are you were you ever bullied? Maybe I should. The more I speak about it, the more I think about it now, and I'm I'm seeing reasons why I should really. So maybe I would after this conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean. Who knows? Who knows where it would go?
0: Oh well, we'll see. see. But
1: yeah. You said that you haven't had somebody like basically look at you through the lens of what your skin looks like in a long time. So Mm -hmm. I think it's safe to say like. Relationship-wise, that's not an issue. What do you mean? Like you haven't had maybe girls you're interested in look at you and be like, mm.
0: I don't know what you're looking at. I'm really not concerned about what you're looking at. To be
1: <laughs> wonderful. Anyway, something else I wanted to ask about um, that you wrote. I noticed that you kept saying. Um, what was, what was the term you you only wrote the word albino once and that was like towards the end but mm-hmm. well, you kept saying like persons without being the same, persons without being the same why is that
0: oh I'll, well interesting um yeah <laughs> i don't know if a lot of people i mean i give the reason at the end but i don't know if a lot of people also notice that i intentionally didn't use the word until i was trying to make a point about why i didn't use the word and i uh-huh. think that's that's it boils down to this whole identity thing and highlighting so it does two things one is when the person's saying it especially somebody that isn't living with albinism right um when the person who is darker skinned is saying it for the most part and this is not always true i try i like to make the point that this is not a generalization that everybody that uses the word albino or albino is saying it in a derogatory way. That's that's not the point that I'm trying to make. But it's always sometimes, even with the best of intent, it can come across as that. Almost to the point where you want to localize a person's experience and identify them by that label. Hmm. And so that's what People are trying to move away from to move into the other side of hey look this is a person you see what i mean this is a mm-hmm. human being this is a person with a condition albinism
2: mm-hmm.
0: so it's the focus on the fact that these people are no any different than <laughs> your just this is this just this are just regular people it's like So just normal people, it's like the only difference is with the way you might have a person that has whatever condition you can think of. So this is just a person with this condition. And now when you move to the part of saying the condition, there's now the next emphasis on the fact that before you start stigmatizing, before you start bullying, why are you bullying people? for things they have zero control over. This thing was inherited. They I, <laughs> Nobody asked to be born. Do you get what I mean? Sure. You don't ask to be born with a condition. You are born with you don't whatever ask you are to be born, born with. You don't even ask to be born, period. Exactly. So it's like this condition is genetically inherited. You, you, you didn't go to the market shopping and you just picked it up and be like, oh, I'll take that and mm. I'll take that and I'll take that. It's like it just happened by no mm-hmm. fault of theirs. So it's always interesting why you bully people. It's like you bully someone for their height. Why? So it's always been something I was fascinated about where you you bully people for things they have zero control over. Mm. And so, yes, it's, it's not, it's, I didn't come up with the, um, it's not my thing. It's, if you're well into the research and the, um, the literature out there, you'd see that most people are going in that direction of always saying, person or persons with albinism, um, as yeah. opposed to saying, I mean, it takes a bit of time to get used to it, you know, um, I'm sure even in the yeah, course of yeah, this conversation, I've used albino, right? Um, yeah. exactly it takes a while to get used to these things uh, but it's just to understand that that's where it's going to remember at the time where um, they used to say um, well, how do I describe this what we now know as intellectual disability right used sorry, to be called, right you said it I didn't say it. So if they come for you good luck to you
2: Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. So, so
0: what is now called intellectual disability, right? It used to be called something else. And because people kind of abused and misused um, that phrase, we're moving away from that now into something that says, look, it's a disability. It's like, don't mm-hmm. use the word retard in a way that just makes it look derogatory. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, th- I believe that's what they're also trying to do with um albino 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 to persons with albinism that's 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 what that was about yep it's interesting that albinism cuts across all races so mm-hmm. you can see persons with albinism that are actually Caucasians and you can also see persons with albinism that are Africans or from sub-Saharan Africa right there's this yeah. um there's this musician um Vera, I believe that's the pronunciation. He's from Georgia. He has this song with Patorankin. I can't remember the name of the track. Um his dad Georgia is, the country
1: or Georgia the State? Georgia oh, the country.
0: Uh-huh. Um his dad is actually um I think his dad is into politics, probably one time prime minister, I believe. But his dad is like the richest guy in Georgia. Anybody don't to check him out, just check him out. His name is Bera. Now he's
1: single. The,
0: you can you can you Continue. can slide into his dms Continue. But, but the first time i noticed him on a track with Paterak, and that was why i picked interest in him because i just noticed that his his hair color was just i mean i could tell from his eyes and just his hair color and just his skin he was just overly really really white and just really pale then i looked him up i was just like oh yeah makes sense he he's a person with albinism um so the point i was trying to make is you can actually have white people that person's living with albinism. You can have black people yeah. that are persons living with albinism. Now, here's the catch. Now, you see that the difference between people with albinism from these two subgroups will probably just be hair texture.
2: Mm. But if
0: you're talking about skin color, it'll be ex- almost exactly pale or yeah, quote unquote, pale. white, pale right? Mm. So, it's a question of how do you actually categorize race if you're subgrouping of race is just solely based on color then how are people albinism black people do you get i mean this is just <laughs> some some deep waters that i don't want to go into but my point was when you're using color as a proxy for race you see how problematic it gets when you're now saying okay if that's the case would you also say persons living with albinism are black people if 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 did you see they're if, now white right? You know, do you also say they are white? Or when you see people from um, places like Tunisia, people from places like um, Morocco, people from places like Egypt, and you see, I was I was in a clubhouse um, conversation with somebody the other day, and she said I can't remember what country she was from, but it was one of those very very um, white African countries, and she says she doesn't she doesn't categorize as black was an interesting conversation but i could see where she was coming from because if she's navigated the world differently than i have navigated the world than you have navigated the world and she's not having to live through the realities of being black in wherever america England, wherever right she doesn't have those realities should the fact that her country is situated in the, the landscape of africa make her say okay since Africa is predominantly black, then maybe I am black. Yeah, that I'm I do not know if I'm making sense, right? So these are conversations right. that once you once you get into you see how murky it gets and you see it's like there's no there's no escape from it.
1: You write and bounce.
0: I try to untangle myself from I just I just drop in and I bounce like mm, I've I've moved on, like I've I've walked away because you don't want, um, and that's the thing sometimes about feedback and validation. If you remember from the last episode when I was having a conversation with Fatai, right? You don't want to get too sucked in into that validation process where if you start, you know, tinkering with the likes and the engagement between this one and the last one, you almost never want to do mm-hmm. anything. It's like, okay, maybe the last tweets didn't get engagement. It's like, you almost it don't want to tweet again. Down. It's like, yeah. So it's like sometimes even when it's zero engagement, even when it is zero likes, you just I just drop it and I bounce. Like I've moved on. I don't even want to go back and look at what the thing is doing. It's like, I've really just walked away. Uh, it might be a defense mechanism, but it works perfectly for your peace of mind. It seems like
1: sublimation to me. I wondered if it was reaction formation or sublimation.
0: <laughs> what? How, how so? Mm.
1: Yeah, I wondered if it was... So reaction formation where... You know, you're doing the opposite of kind of what you'd rather do, putting it simply, and sublimation so where you channel what you want to do in it, which might not be quote unquote socially acceptable, but you channel it into
0: I don't see how that fits acceptable. in though.
1: No, I wondered if you were channeling your like your pain or your trauma into something, you know,
0: by like walking this, away. What are you referring no, by to writing. the walking by writing?
1: Uh oh i was talking about the, the writing that i wondered if the writing was reaction formation or sublimation so but it seems more like uh, okay i
0: i think i see okay yes to sublime i agree mm-hmm. um i see i would see well because i was like reaction formation no not necessary i don't see how that fits uh, maybe i need to think about it some more but i see no,
1: it's how exactly,
0: yeah i see how it can be sublimation because it's It's taking that thing that is supposed to overpower. Again, back to what we said, reframing, which seems maybe will be the title of this podcast. Who knows? But yes, it's it's just taking that thing that was meant to overwhelm you and reframe it in a way that you sublime that energy into something else. Like, you know that thing we did in thermodynamics? I don't know if it's thermodynamics where energy can neither be created nor destroyed, but it can only be transformed from one form to another, right? So like you're just subliming all of that pain, all of that energy, into this thing,
1: something productive and positive. Right. Yeah. Speaking
0: of which, interesting that you mentioned. Sublime is actually a chapter in the book. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, again, yeah. I I didn't come here mm. to speak about the book, but 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 let's see, let's see, it's still mm. it's still in work, it's still in the works. So, thank you all so much for listening to episode two of the Conversations with Arthur podcast. Uh, my friend who I was having a conversation with has requested to be kept anonymous, so I would respect those wishes. Um, but if you're interested in reading the Art to the conversation, you can head over to my medium page at ArthurddBay. So it's like Arthur first name ddbay.medium.com. And if you like the podcast, you can share, subscribe, like, comment. You can also follow the Instagram page at Conversations with Arthur. You can send me a DM if you if you'd like to be on the board. See you guys at the next episode.